we want to honor people who are uh, in that profession. And this was one of the professions, along with theater artist, dancer, singer, and meditation teacher that we have uh, with us today is our teacher. Scoop Nisker, we called him. Uh, and um, he also is one of the uh, cabal that founded Spirit Rock, along with Jack Cornfield and James Perez and so many others. Not so many, a very restricted, talented, visionary group. And it has been such a pleasure for me and such a joy in my life to have been teaching with Wes uh, over the last, uh, I don't know how many years, but he'll tell you, I hope, or you can guess. And so. I lost count. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Wes Nisker. Thank you, Joanna. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We did a good job, didn't we, of beginning, beginning the, this, this turn of the wheel? As Joanna always likes to say, this is the time of the third turning of the wheel of the Dharma, the wheel of truth. And uh, thanks for coming here. I think uh, that your very presence here for this day long is proof that you care that you care about the world, you care about healing the world, you care about your own heart, keeping it open. And uh, in these ominous times, it's really good to keep the heart open. Although I'm starting to think that all the times are ominous, you know? It's, uh, when, does it, when does it end and we can just say, okay, it's not ominous anymore? But um, Joanna has been a great uh, help to me personally and uh, as a teacher. I, I quote her all the time. Um, there's, there's one quote that I, I use that I'll share with you. There's no technological fix, no magic bullet that can save us from the population explosion, deforestation, climate disruption, pollution, and species extinctions. We're going to have to want different things, seek different pleasures, pursue different goals than those that have been driving us and our global economy. Seek different things. I couldn't say that better myself. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gathered here together to work on our, our collective evolution. If only we were in charge of it. <laughs> um, today we plan to do some sitting meditations, some guided meditations, some... Walking meditation, it's a beautiful day. Uh, the smog, fog, whatever <laughs> seems to have blown off. And here you are on this sacred land that is becoming more and more sacred every minute that people are here 
and doing this work. Uh, and uh, we'll also do some exercises that Joanna has developed over the years of doing her work that reconnects. That's one of the, that's the title of one of her books, other, other books, World as Lover, World as Self. Don't you want to enter that? Work with that? Play with that? Uh, and what was the thir- third book? Uh, Coming Back to Life is a, is a yeah. compendium of all of yeah. the work. She, she touches my heart and my mind at the same time. She, she's just a wonder, and I'm so happy to be here with her. So, uh, Thank you, Wes. Joanna. Thank you. <clears throat> Antonio, I would like before we go into the meditation, or as we do, which Wes is going to lead in a minute after I do a little rant, would you get your flute? Joanna, I'd also like them to introduce each Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, then do that now. Okay, yeah. You're going to be sitting next to somebody. You're going to be seeing somebody all day. Why don't you get acquainted? Turn to somebody on either side of you. Say where you're from, what you're doing here. Brief. Brief. doesn't look like a flute. That looks like a ditch. Is that a flute? Yeah. Oh, no. Flute. Flute. Oh, it is. Okay, okay, that. Uh, I see you've all, all become best friends already. Okay. I'd like to say a word about um, the, the, what we're calling this day a liberation dharma. Liberation Dharma, Liberation Buddhism. So what do we mean by that? Um, in my mind, what this is about for our, uh, our path in the world at this time, and certainly for uh, me, is, uh, is a liberation from and a liberation to. And it's from the shrunken self, the atrophied notion of who and what we are, competitive, worried, needing to get ahead, needing to find our place in the sun. And we in the West, particularly the uh, those with white privilege, where you have found your, you know, your teachers today are both old white people. But the Dharma, we're finding teachers in this work 
far vaster than that, including the teacher within you. To find that teacher within you and the collaboration, identification, Kalyanamitra, the fellow journeyers, the beloveds, and everyone else, we will uh, move away from what we've been conditioned to by 500 years. So the Buddha had, was pointing to the problem too, but the intense hypertrophied individualization of uh, the dominant culture over the last five centuries has left the economy, it's, it's worked hand in glove with capitalism, which profits from that and turning us into needy, worried, competitive consumers eager for power. And in a prison cell of our own making. So we're going to be... And the Buddha saw this right from the beginning. How we can get trapped in that through greed, hatred, and delusion. And the delusion was the delusion of a permanent separate self. So for me, the, that every, every word of the Dhamma is a liberation because it takes us into what is our true nature, which is vast, and in no way confined by the color of our skin or the size of our bank account or the nationality that we have or the creeds we follow. We are... And all of science as well as spirituality, not all, but the paradigm-shifting elements in both science and spirituality are bringing us to see that the whole world is alive and that we're not separate from it. Not separate. So it's a liberation from this prison cell of the comparing competitive mind. It's a beautiful thing. And then it's a liberation into and to be able to walk in our world with a feeling of being at home. Imagine that even when it's burning to walk into our world with open heart and open eyes. It's scary now. You were mentioning that. We all know that. It's conditioning us more than we want to think. It's even when our conscious attention is on a particular focus, activity, person, job, there is this undercurrent, and it's in our bodies and it's in our guts that we are in. I'm thinking of the words of uh, Dina Metzger, There are those who would set fire to our world. We are in danger. There is no, uh, there is only time to work slowly. There is no time not to love. Imagine being liberated into our own vast capacity to see 
and in seeing love and in loving see and able to bring the gifts, gifts that are more than we can hold in our hands. So many gifts can pour through us for our world at this time. So many gifts that come not only from uh, our accomplishments and our learnings, but also from our pain and our losses. Oh, those are great gifts for us. So uh, in our uh, work today, and I see it as work too, I call it work. It's being part of this beautiful opening up. We are going to be uh, moving uh, through gratitude first and then into the recognition of our capacity to know and not block the pain. And then to see what emerges this that see with new eyes, fresh eyes, what is there for us within and without. So, uh, well, this morning we'll be uh, inviting a lot of gratitude, just like the indigenous people of this continent. That was the first thing they did. He said, the words that come before all else. And we're going to... Uh, do that inside and outside. And beginning with a, a meditation here that Wes will lead. You know, I, gratitude is so important when we're in a planetary fix like this because it grounds us. Particularly when we're in, in, a, in a situation of fear and trembling, it grounds us. So uh, I would like to uh, invite uh, Antonio to just give us a minute of or two of, of, of flute and then from that move into the meditation.
let the sound surround you. Bring an easeful awareness to the whole body seated here. Feel the warmth of the body. Warmth we feel comes from the fires of the sun. Transformed into our living energy. Feel the earth element 
in the body. Perhaps move your upper and lower teeth together. Feel the strength of the jaw. Take your hand and touch your knee, your knuckle. Feel the hardness of bone. The bones are made of calcium, phosphate, silicates, carbon. Essentially the clay of the earth. Molded into this skeletal shape. Bringing attention to the head, the great bone of skull. Gaps where the spine enters. Ears, eyes, mouth. All the senses grouped together in this skull, into this bowl of bone. All of it designed for eating. earth element inside of us. Where else could these bodies have come from? moisture in your mouth, around the mucous membranes, put your hand on your stomach, that great bowl of liquid there. Touch your thigh, your upper arm, and feel the watery nature of flesh. 
70% of our body is liquid. And most of that liquid has the chemical consistency of the ocean. If you wish, you might lick your upper lip or lick your wrist. Perhaps you can taste the ocean inside of you. As the Buddha says, this body is not mine or anyone else's. It has arisen due to causes and conditions. For now it should be felt. Each breath is a gift. Each breath a gift from the plant kingdom, offering us oxygen. this next breath you are breathing along with 8 billion people you are breathing along with the entire plant kingdom with every breath we feel our relationship common heritage of life on this planet. Something else we still haven't figured out.
flowing through you all of life. you find yourself lost in thought, distracted, make a little inward bow. It's your mind trying to take care of you with this brilliant adaptation, thinking, planning, even worrying. fault. <laughs> you can honor it in yourself, in all of us. All, how clever we are. And here we are sitting together and wondering at it. How did it happen? Why did it happen? What are we supposed to be doing? elemental Watson Watson that's right <laughs> my mic is 
We would like to invite you now to uh, experience how this beautiful skeleton, so cleverly arranged with its joints and movement it allows, uh, will allow you to uh, stand up and move on and put on your shoes if you want them for what... uh, Wes and I figure not so much walking meditation, but a gratitude stroll (laughs) in the out of doors and the freshness of this day. You have guidance for that, I Uh, bet. Well, there's a number of uh, wonderful techniques or practices. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh used to say that the earth has been so uh, mistreated, you know, dug up and built upon and bombed and think of going out and every step is like a little pat, a love pat for the, for the big mama that you're walking on. And uh, when you find yourself stunned or caught by some, something beautiful or intriguing, just let yourself feel what that feeling is like and examine or just let yourself bathe in the, in the beauty that's all around you. Uh, usually, almost always, we're, we're going somewhere or coming back from somewhere when we walk. And this is, banish those ideas. You're not going anywhere. And we will <laughs> let you know when to come back in here. You don't need to worry about it. And it will be, in in 20 minutes, you'll be back in here. So you will have your ears uh, ready to hear a a bell, right? Yes, a bell. And then there'll be a five-minute bell, and then uh, a bell as we sit down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you love tap the earth, your earth the earth taps you back. Yes. Yes. When you think about I, I always like to locate us, you know, in space because it's so phenomenal. Uh the earth is spinning around on its axis at a thousand miles an hour. Uh and it is going around in its orbit around the sun at 55,000 miles an hour. And the whole galaxy, and it's just, we're, we're just moving like mad. I mean, we are flying through space, which is where we live, of course. We live in space. And uh, I, I think I forgot to mention that during the elements thing. But, and now they've found gravitational waves you know, if it wasn't for gra- gravity, where would we be? I mean, if... So, a lot to give thanks for.
pretty well, you know, for 75, I think. I just turned 70. Oh. Is that I won't tell you about, about the, the, coming the decade. Five years? Yes. <laughs> okay. No, but the decade as I've seen it so far. Yeah. Oh, no, there's, no, it's okay. all fine. Perfect, okay. How did it sound? Great, yeah. great. Are lesser people walking yeah. the field in here? Yeah, we'll ring a bell in five, five, five after. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Did you do a song you want? It's going to be after lunch, right? Yeah.
Hello, hello, hello. <clears throat> so, did you have a nice stroll? Yeah. This is one of those times when the light, the, the Northern California light, is just glistens. Everything is glistening and vibrant. That's why they call it the Golden State. I'd like to share a little quote here keeping with a theme that Joanna started. A human being is part of the whole, the universe. We experience thoughts and feelings as something separated from the rest, which is kind of an optical delusion of consciousness. The delusion is a prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for a few persons nearest to us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of love and compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. Albert Einstein. And you know if he said it, you better believe it. And it's not only to the liberation, because he said we're... An optical delusion that we think we're just this separate piece. Right, right. But it's um, discovering that we progressively in widening circles are at the deepest level. So there's the, that's what in deep ecology is called the ecological self, that you are also this living earth. Mm-hmm. Is that not so? That is so, and I'm, I'm a particular member of a particular species at a, this particular moment in the development of consciousness on this planet. I'm a mammal. I'm an uh, earthling, first of all. Maybe first and foremost, I don't know. Earthling, you think? Yes, I think so. Uh-huh. And, no. then, and then... Or a universaling. Universaling, yeah. Well, uh, how about Milky Way and <laughs> That's right. There's an identity we could all use. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that reminds me of a poem. Oh, wonderful. Because really this process of liberation could be seen as uh, ca- captured by Rilke in the poem that caused me first 
oh, like 65 years ago, more, to fall in love with this poet. And he wrote this when he was 23, which was about 120 years ago. Ich lebe mein Leben in wachsenden Ringen. I live my life in widening circles that reach out across the world. I may not complete this last one, but I give myself to it. I've been circling around God, the primordial tower. I've been circling for thousands of years, and I still don't know. Am I a falcon, a storm, or a great song? Uh, I'm going to invite you into a process I love, and and we're still in gratitude um, theme, Um, and to do it with uh, open sentences where uh, it's wonderful to hear what you yourself have to say. So now, in the next 30 seconds, you are going to, with mindfully and with great intelligent alacrity move your chair this is taking because some of you are fenced in and those in the back room can move it back out so that we can all in this room be clustered facing one other being starting now how many seconds did you give people 30 and also that's right and there are some cushions, extra cushions up here. You've got all the room in the world, or all the room in this hall. <clears throat> Back row can move right out quickly. Yeah. Good. You you will enjoy having some sitting close to your person in front of you and as far from other people as possible, giving yourself a little space around you. (laughs) Who needs a partner? Okay. Would you like to be a partner? Okay. Good. Everybody have a partner? Anyone else without one? Good. All right. So this is a very old practice that I have 
uh, been using, I mean, it's old because I've been using it for 40 years. And I love it. Um, it works like this. You're going to uh, be talking with this person in front of you. And um, you're going to be taking turns saying something in, a, in response to a half a sentence. So uh, just touch your partner on the knee real quickly. And the first one to be the first toucher, first tapper, is partner A. Got it? And the other's partner B. Okay. So you're A. Okay. And um, partner A, you will hear a, a partial sentence that I will say now. And... Um, Repeatedly, there'll be about four or five of them, and you will repeat the sentence and keep on talking. Uh, whatever comes into your mind, that's that's it. And um, then I'll, uh, you'll hear me ring a bell. Yeah. Where's my bell? Here's your bell. Oh, okay. And um, then it's partner B's turn, and I will say that partial sentence again for partner B. Okay. Thank you, Dan. So this is not a conversation. What's the magic of it is that what happens when, with real listening, B, you'll be really listening to Dan and then to, to your partner. Thank you, Dan. Um, and, and your partner will be really listening to you, and they'll go back and forth. And it's really wonderful, too. Uh, it's, it's excellent, actually, throughout most of life, but in this exercise, to avoid generalities and abstractions. Because the juice of life is in the particular. For example, if the question were, for breakfast this morning I had, and then you, as a part, you hear it and you say, for breakfast this morning, I had some food. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> so you said, for breakfast this morning, I had some, what, would you believe it? I had some quail's eggs, but then I didn't look at the clock and it got late. I left them there getting cold or whatever. But that is more interesting, if not very convincing. Ready to go? So remember the particulars particularly with this one. Partner A. <clears throat> Some things I just love about being alive in earth are. Some of the things. Some of the things.
There's some cushions. Thank you. Now, partner B, it's your turn. Things I just love about being alive in Earth are Okay, we'll start this one with partner B. Um, Here's one that I've loved over the years. It's this one. A place that was magical to me as a child was... You can describe. A place that was magical, wonderful to me as a child was... Oh, where you go? Oh, we go. go.
And partner A, your turn. A place that was magical to me as a child was. you so we'll begin again with you partner A for the third one a person who helped me believe in myself is or was a person who helped me believe in myself is or was Thank you. 
partner be? A person who helped me believe in myself is or was Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now she can talk, or whatever. Was that enough time? Is that a yes? Okay, so partner B, the next one is some things I love making and fixing are. Some things I love making and fixing are.
Who was just talking? B. Okay. All right, B, you start off the last one. Take a deep breath. Oh, no, we have to. What? Oh, you didn't have a chance. Oh, you must. Oh, that's the best. Okay. Partner A, some things I love. Whew. Fixing and making are. Now the final one. So we'll start with partner A. Some things I love about myself are. Some things I love about myself are.
Partner B, yours now. Some things I love about myself are.
Was that long enough? <laughs> well, now let's take a minute to just thank each other. Thank your partner for the listening and the sharing. No, let's just. Uh, so, I'm going to see if I, because I, it's always good to let people share from this. And then I have something to say about gratitude and capitalism. And then it may. Well, you are having some things to say to each other after been talking to each other, more talking, yeah. So perhaps there are some reflections uh, that you would like to share with the whole group. So just raise your hand if that is the case. Oh, yes. Thank you, Antonio. Here's one. Just hold it. I I just want to share an experience from three years ago here at Spirit Rock. It was uh, on a on a four day retreat and. We were doing walking meditation, and I came across this great oak that had two trunks, and it stopped me in my tracks. And I saw it as a being of ancient and great wisdom. I felt it is more accurate. And I just stopped and spent some time with it. And tears just started streaming down my face. And then the bell rang, and I turned around and came back to the meditation hall and started sitting. And suddenly, every cell in my body lit up. All the pain in my body it, it completely evaporated, and I, could, I sat the rest of the day with no pain and with this just this... Thank you. It's, I am struck by how um, uh, in, in, in the Buddha Dhamma and the whole tradition, uh, the tree stands for gratitude and, and, 
and particularly the Bodhi tree. Uh, that the remember when the after sitting under the tree when he said, "I am not going to get up until I've learned the source of suffering." and sat under that tree, and sat under that tree, and had this incredible realization we call the enlightenment. And after how long of that, when Gautama, who in that process became the Buddha, stood and faced the tree, he bowed. As if in recognition of their mutual accomplishment. Yeah, and when in Sri Lanka, where I used to work and live, the every uh, temple and stupa and vihara uh, had a tree in it that was their Bodhi tree, and the people come and worship the tree, and then it and it was sort of for everyone a reminder to give thanks. One of the questions was uh, say about the things that you love about yourself. The what? Whatever that you love about yourself. Oh, yeah. That was the question. And I noticed then that I was carrying an illusion uh, in, about how much I really love myself. Uh, like I would say things like, okay, I love this and I love that and I love this about myself, but it was mostly on the surface. It wasn't all the way deep in my body and my soul that this love that I have for the self, yet I feel that love for the world. So world as a lover and a self, it seems like I have gone on the last or the, the, the widest spiral and seeing it, yes, I have to bring it home and really learn how to really love this as the center of all that is in order to be able to bring that peace and that harmony that I wish so strongly for a world that is hugely in trouble. Uh, bring it home and see how this world within me is in trouble as a reflection back and forth and how it needs to be done hand in hand. So thank you for holding this. Oh, I thank you for those words. Uh, In that sense, this uh, work of uh, gratitude for anything, and especially gratitude for having a chance to be alive and, and be a living, a body-mind heart. Um, and it's a revolutionary act because we have been living, our dominant culture has been warped by a, a, an economic system You can call it capitalism or you can call it the industrial growth society because they're doing it in countries that don't like to call themselves capitalists, but it's the same thing. Consumer society needing to grow, needing to go, needing to spend money. And it breeds that a 
uh, a sense of inadequacy. You have to keep buying. You have to keep producing. If you're a business, you have to. But as a person, you have to feel needy. So an enemy of our uh, economic system that breeds greed is a feeling, oh, I may be enough, or maybe I have enough. I am enough, have enough. And the peace that can come with that, but that's bad for business. <laughs> so, so I consider gratitude a revolutionary act. Really beautiful. You know what Abby Hoffman once said, all isms should be wasms. I want to interpret from the, my partner A, PZ Peregrine, who answered the question, I'm not sure what the question, but the answer is what matters. In our world that we're with in now, the birth, giving birth, a baby, and is the opening to a new possibility. And that I can remember the idea of having a baby. We know someone or we ourselves were birthed and that opening is not, is not you can't close that. That's a force. And that idea might carry us through into a better frame of mind when we think of something new is coming. Let it be a new birth of something really good. Thanks. <laughs> and birthing hurts. Then anyone, if to go, especially with my three unsedated. No. So I love you. There, it's just become a truism that right now, in our world, at this period, we're called, if we love our world, to see ourselves as both. Uh, uh, midwives and uh, deathbed attendants because there's much that is dying and there's much that is coming in and don't we need steadiness and we need each other we need to be reweaving uh, into so open to the people around you particularly the people you know and learn to see them with a kind of fresh, grateful astonishment. To see them in a new way. I had that for 56 years. When my husband and I got engaged, we were uh, decided to tell the pers- first person we tell was someone who was um, a friend of knew each of us longer than we'd known each other. And this was a, a preacher from Harlem, from the Grace Congregational Church. And we took him down to Greenwich Village for a wonderful Italian dinner. And we told Herb King, we were going to get married. And his response was this. 
And I'm going to give it to you because it made my marriage such an exciting thing. (laughs) He said, Cherubs, I have a prayer for you. My prayer is that you ever see the other as a stranger. And the next morning we went to his church where he preached a sermon on the dangers of familiarity. You can be around people and you think you know them. You think you know all about them because they're familiar. But with everybody, there's just whole capacities and whole experiences and whole uh, landscapes uh, coming into being or been there a long time. So over that marriage, I just would look, you know, Fran had come in in his bathrobe to the kitchen, and I, hmm, who's this? <laughs> so to be, allow yourself to be surprised. That's part of gratitude too, isn't it? Revolutionary, surprise. Anybody, any other reflections? Oh, here. Um, so... I just wanted to say I felt it was it was really a very sweet. Can you talk right into it? Sorry, like it can you hear me? Yeah. Um, it was wow. Okay. <laughs> it was a very s- sweet exercise, both listening and um, sharing, and I feel like it's important to do that kind of practice so we can like resource ourselves, um, and you know, and face that helps us also then face the things that are difficult because we've got some resourcing and reminders that there, there's some great stuff going on. So. And it doesn't, te- it doesn't hurt to tell other people the th- beautiful things you see in them. And it doesn't hurt to be, as someone stops by or you went to... to Behold them as if they were the f- fresh, uh, fresh from the universe gift of the day. Could you just repeat the questions that we that you asked us to discuss? <laughs> you talking to me? Yes. Oh, I didn't hear you. Wait, wait. Here comes the. I wanted to write down the questions, and I can't remember them all. You can, I can tell them to you. Did you have a pencil? Yeah, I do right here. Yeah. Um, what was the first one? See if you can remember. <laughs> what? Things I love about being alive. That's it. On the earth. Yeah. Or in the earth, because the atmosphere is part of Earth's body. What I love about being alive in earth. Wow. And this earth, to see it, just we heard about, you know, this gentleman talking about seeing the oak tree. But when you think about the the Thanksgiving uh, address, the reflections uh, and, and um, 
of the particular. It started very strong in, with the Six Nation Confederacy of the Iroquois, or Hidden, uh, Haudenosaunee, and New York and Ontario to reflect together. And they call the words, as I said, the words that come before us, which you think of, oh, and it was like, it was really sort of like what you were doing, Wes, now that I think about it. Oh, I got bones. <laughs> I can breathe. Boy, that is a thrill. If you have asthma like me, you know what it is to... When you, after a choking episode, how the sweetness of air coming in. Yeah, everything. Just that too. Learning to, to experience things with, for the fresh time, with a, for the, a fresh for the first time. What was the, what were we talking about? I get carried away. Uh, you were repeating your questions to the. Oh, yes. I, I just want to mention something that uh, every day my my uh, screensaver on my computer has the NASA picture of the day every every day NASA puts up a new picture so it's like you wake up and there's oh there's another galaxy exploding and you know they talk about thirty to fifty billion trillion suns in the universe. And they haven't, they aren't done counting, you know, 30 to 50 billion suns. That's too many. I can't can't get your mind around that. Yeah, we can only get our mind around one sun, and that's enough. (laughs) Are we that brilliant? Is there going to be a recording? Usually there's a recording of retreats and day-longs. Is, there is? Yes, it, there is a recording of it. So you'll have the questions recorded. Okay, I, should I go on with the questions or have we got something else that need to handle? No, I, I, don't, hear need, that. I don't need anything. Okay. Anytime. Okay, you got the first question. But it was wonderful to make up your own. But the ones that I've been using the most with what I uh, did to, this morning... And um, and it's there all of this, you know, they're in this book, which is all the extras, about 50 exercises in this for uh, the liberation we're talking about, liberation from small self into, into just life, life, coming back to life. Oh, that's the name of it. Coming back to life. <laughs> all right, so what was the second question? <laughs> Oh, uh, when you were little, something, a place that was magical to you as a child. Did anybody enjoy that? Well, I was thinking of my, we had, my mother had a linen closet in a place we were renting. I mean, a linen closet where you could go and had a little window and I made a little club in there. I was the president. My little brother was the membership. (laughs) We would stay very still, and I would put things out, and we'd look at them. It was called the Mr. Nobody Club. (laughs) 
that was that was early that you had that revelation. Oh, I was seven. Yeah. You want to join my Mr. Nobody Club? <laughs> okay, but then the third? What was the third? Mm. Oh, a person uh, who uh, helped you believe in yourself. Now that takes, there's a, little, there's a little hush then because you have to think. Did You all have found someone, didn't you? And then there was the fourth, then was <laughs> something I was wondering. But it was uh, some things I love making and fixing. And then lastly, uh, some things I love about myself. Give us a poem before lunch. Okay. By Nanao Sakaki, a Japanese poet, the Japanese Gary Snyder. In the morning after taking a cold shower, what a mistake, I look at the mirror. There's this funny guy, gray hair, white beard, wrinkled skin. What a pity. He's not me, absolutely not. Land and life, fishing in the ocean, sleeping in the desert with stars, building a shelter in the mountains, farming the ancient ways, singing with coyotes, fighting against nuclear war. I'll never be tired of life. Now I'm 17 years old again, a very charming young man. I sit down quietly in lotus position, meditating. Suddenly a voice comes to me. To stay young, to save the world, break the mirror. <laughs> Who was the poet's name again? Nanao Sakaki. Sasaki. Sakaki. Oh. That's the way I've always heard it. Is it called Break the Mirror? Yes. Give us another performance. <laughs> this is our aperitif. Uh, this is certainly part of our theme, Thich Han. The cosmos is filled with precious gems. I want to offer a handful of them to you this morning. Each moment you are alive is a gem shining through and containing earth and sky, water and clouds. It needs you to breathe gently for the miracles to be displayed. Suddenly you hear the birds singing, the pines chanting, see the flowers blooming, the blue sky, the white clouds. You, the richest person on earth, who've been going around begging for a living, stop being the destitute child. Come back and reclaim your heritage. We should enjoy our happiness and offer it to everyone. Cherish this very moment. Let go of the stream of distress and embrace life fully in your arms. That's, a, that's perfect. I'm always ready. <laughs> yeah. I was oh. Thich Nhat Hanh. 
also am gratitude too, because uh, I want to mention gratitude for Antonio and his uh, flute this morning. And I wonder if you would show us the flute and introduce it, because uh, I thought when you picked it up, I was mouthing to you, I meant flute, because I thought it was you were picking up a didgeridoo. Yeah, so um, this is uh, a Native American style flute, um, which, you know, the, of course the indigenous people of America have thousands of years history, so um, this kind of style flute is actually goes back to the 80s where there was just this idea of a particular sound, the minor pentatonic scale, meant that was a Native American flute. So it's made in kind of a modern style of Native American flute. Um, and uh, this is made of a beautiful piece of maple, uh, which is indigenous to North America. And um, my friend uh, Brad Young made this in Virginia. Um, he learned from a wonderful Cherokee flute maker, um, Hawk Little John, who, his, uh, who left his body in the year 2000, but was so generous with his flute making and playing, it was not unheard of for him to show up um, at an event with his beautiful flutes and just to gift a flute to someone. Um, and so with that, his teachings of making the flute were, was also very generous. And so my friend Brad had learned from him. Um, and then this particular flute is unusual because he... Um, the, the key of the Native American flute, meaning the pitch, is... Can you all hear? Or should we... Yeah. It's usually around F sharp, and if you get lower than that, then it has to become wider, just the physics of a vibrating <coughs> tube, right? So this is a key of D, so it's a little bit lower. And because of that, if you want to make what's called a drone flute, and if you... Did anyone notice there was yeah. two sounds happening? And that's a comment I get sometimes, is how did you do two... Like sounds. a chord. Yeah, there's two sounds at once. And that's, that's because this is a drone flute. And so you can see that Show it actually us. has two, two places to blow air into. And because it's a larger flute, um, this flute maker decided to make it so that one, the drone goes this way. So this is the drone. Um, and then the flute, the part that you would actually play, you can see the holes here, goes this way. And so then it makes it easier because if they were side by side, it would be really big on your hands. Um, and then when he made it like that, someone said, that kind of looks like a walking stick. You should make him into a walking stick. So he did, and his little handle on the... Um, and then one last thing about these flutes that's beautiful is um, it's actually very easy to play. I've taught hundreds of people over the years because different from the silver flute or an end-blown flute where you have to do a particular embouchure, I mean, you have to have your lips in a particular way. This flute, you just blow into. Um, because these little pieces right here are actually doing that whistle sound for you. So you just kind of put your mouth up to it, and you blow. <laughs> So I was just going to ask you, um, 
uh, since you say that you are um, a resource person for this and teaching, could you put your card on the table next to our books? Sure. Good. And um, I'd like to, to mention um, your talk about the generosity of this flute maker, uh, of course, reminds us of the obvious, how gratitude and generosity uh, go together, like two hands washing, uh, that the uh, one sense of uh, being grateful for the gifts of life make it so easy then to uh, offer them on to others. So it, it, that, that relationship... It, Think about it. If you're looking for a dissertation topic or something, <laughs> relation between, yeah, gratitude and Donna, yeah. And I'm wondering if we could have a, a meditative musical aperitif for our lunch of just having five minutes of sitting, silent meditation, silent in the sense that we're not talking but with your with music sure okay i'll just ring the bell so that we know this is our meditation time
so we'll take about an hour. We'll come back at uh, 1.30. 1.30. Uh, enjoy your food. Taste your food. <laughs> Have gratitude for your food. And uh, don't say, stay in the sun too long.
So we're going to begin this afternoon with a short meditation. So get yourself comfortable. Usually after lunch, people tend to drift away. The body says it's time to digest. We do that best laying down. So, bringing your attention to the body, feeling the body here. I usually like to start a meditation period by checking to see if I'm alive, you know? <laughs> someday I won't, I won't be, and someday I won't be able to check either. <laughs> Let the face relax, the area around the eyes, the jaw. Bring a real relaxed attention to your body as you feel it. As you take your awareness down through the head and the shoulders, let go of those shoulders. Soften the belly. And feel what is present. This body here composed of the elements, aware of itself, a piece of the universe, aware of itself.
If you notice there's some sluggishness, some feeling of sleepiness, no blame, no problem, just know that there is sleepiness, there is sluggishness. This is too is part of the human experience. Let yourself feel it. When you see that the mind is lost, consider it a triumph and bring your attention back with no blame. This is no fault meditation, which reminds me. It's not necessary in meditation to be grim. It's quite an unusual thing we're doing. Interesting.
I'm feeling very blessed uh, to be here together with you all this afternoon, this day. Uh, in this afternoon, which we will have together till 4.30, uh, I'm going to ask you now quietly uh, to just rise and uh, go to the uh, open space uh, behind the chairs in this room for a walking meditation in this room. Uh, let us just move these loose chairs up close so we have a little more room. So this is a practice that has uh, been doing almost 40 years since I started. Uh, first it was called despair and empowerment work. Then it was called deep ecology work because we found that in doing this and facing our grief and with for the world, it brought a shift in identification that we identified with all the life on the planet and with the planet. And that brought us to deep ecology movement, long-range ecology, as we called it that. And then uh, for the last <coughs> 20 years, we've been, uh, it's been known as the work that reconnects Though in Russia and Germany, it's still called deep ecology work. And in Japan and China, it's known as active hope work. So, But this is a beloved part of it. And it, I called it a walking meditation because we walk, we move around. But instead of having our uh, attention just focused on what's arising within us in our thoughts and sensations... Uh, we're also, it combines it with uh, uh, outward on each other. So some of you have, are familiar, and this is... So we start moving, and we have this, this space here. We're imagining it's our world. And so uh, we move around in it, and we're going to move up pretty much. First we start moving around. We start moving around. And in any which way, interweaving. And on our, in our world, there are over 7 billion of us. And from all over, 
some in their country, some in their places, some uprooted, shoved around by climate change and political repression and war, some trying to defend their places, but always we are on the move. And in here, in our country, in the uh, our uh, corporate economy, and we're feeling an acceleration of time, and we're always in a hurry because time is money, and so we step up the pace, and we find we can move and keep the pace going if we let our eyes go out of focus a little bit, soft vision. Soft vision so you don't bump. And now, if you all find yourself going in the same direction, turn and weave around upstream, so to speak. And if, you, if with the soft vision, you won't bump. But we're in a hurry so much, and you can feel how it is. You know how your body feels when you're rushing like this, even if it's to put a quarter in the parking meter, and how the outside of your body feels, begins to feel like a shell to ease your movement through all these moving obstacles around you. And daring that you don't have time to look to right or left, but you have your focused on the next thing, and never quite enough time, next thing to do. That's right, and use all the space to, so in case you don't get congested in the middle of the room. But now, ah, we're at a meditation center, so we slow the pace. Slow enough to keep going, keep going, we're still it's moving, but slow enough so that we can notice each other as we pass even letting our eyes engage. Oh, there's somebody in there. I'm not alone in this universe. And now you find yourself stopping in front of another being, facing them. And if you, if you don't have a, someone to face, put your hand up there. So now take their right hand in your right hand and just rest into the presence of this being, this person in front of you is unique. There's no one else like this person in the whole universe. Nor was there ever anyone just like the one before you. This is a 
human being of planet Earth. But different and unique from anyone else. With their own story, their own identity, their own web of relationships, their own kinds of suffering, their own stories of loss, of separation, of reconnection, of joy. And with the power of your imagination, you imagine the presence in this person of gifts and powers. In this person, there are gifts and there are powers there that uh, beyond which they aren't even yet aware of. And find in your own, there's courage there. In you as well as in them. And then there is... uh, Compassion. There's intention. There's kindness. There's creativity. There's greater supplies of those probably than they're aware of. And just open your mind to what that could mean to the health and happiness of our world for those powers to be realized and used. And with that uh, wish in your heart, you can bring your own two hands together in a little bow, but bring it in front of you like that, and bow to the, this um, brother-sister being and move on. And we continue our milling. And again, you find yourself in front of another being, face to face. And this time, you take both hands in your two hands. So this... human being, this human going, alive in this very time, faced with the same world, seen differently. And you open your awareness to the pain and fear that may be in this life as we see what is happening to our world. And you realize that this 
being before you carries so much knowledge of the dangers of this time as you do in different ways this person before you knows about the nuclear weapons that this very country built and was the first ever to use just 73 years ago last week on Hiroshima, Nagasaki. And that this country has been preparing to do it again, building thousands, scores of thousands of nuclear warheads many times, even thousands of times more powerful. And this person before you, like you, is aware of the poisoning of the rivers and waters and the dying of the seas and the clear-cutting and wasting of the forests. knows about the species being lost of plant and animal life, remorselessly marching on, aware of what they call it, the sixth great extinction. This person like you, you're not the only one to know. This is shared knowledge. And the person before you has not shut down and not closed down and turned away from this knowledge. If they had, they wouldn't be here this morning. Like you, this person before you is seeking a heart big enough, capacious enough to be with their suffering world. So rest into your own respect and gratitude for each other and your willingness to not hide, to not shut down, to not drug yourself out, but to be there for the sake of all beings. That means that this person, like you, has a bodhisattva presence in their hearts. And to that, you bow. Your hands together again before in front of your chest, a gesture of respect to the sacred motivation they call bodhicitta in each of us. And you take your leave and move on. Take your leave in any way you want. And again, you find yourself in front of another being. And this time, you take their right hand in yours. And as soon as you do, you close your eyes so that all of your attention can go into the sensation of touch. And you might even take... Close your eyes now. You might even take the other hand 
so that you can feel and move this and flex it, explore it, what it's like. You can do this reciprocally, back and forth, because what you are, I'm inviting you to feel and explore with your movement, moving the, the texture and see the how delicately all those little bones are hinged, the dexterity, suppleness of that. That appendage is unique to our world. If you were to find this anywhere else out there in deep space, anywhere else in this or other galaxies, but you would know when you encounter that that you are home because it's only made, we only make it on planet Earth. It started with the first fins, and probably before that, in the mother ocean in which life took form. You can do it to yourself. Just explore. Just become familiar with that. Because it's awesome. It's an awesome thing. This human hand of planet Earth. It was a fin once in the Mother Seas. We took, life took form, and it, but then in pushing up on dry land, it learned to separate those fingers and develop that dexterity, learned chipping rocks, climbing trees, swinging from the branches. See that, how that thumb and forefinger, look at that. It makes, they can bend, connect each other in that hole. That space is just large enough to hold your weight from a branch. That's the opposable thumb. Thanks to Grandmother Monkey. And in our species, that hand Every chapter of our evolution and our story as humans shaped this hand. Gathering and planting seeds, weaving reeds into baskets. Can you let your exploration of this with your moral imagination guide you through the wealth of our common history. Building cities, granaries, cathedrals, building lutes and violins, building microscopes and telescopes, hand and eye extending our knowledge of this universe. It's in this hand. Building bomb sites and weapons. Open heart surgery and brain surgery. Equally subtle activities and far-reaching.
And just think for a moment of what this hand may do in these times we call the great turning as we learn once again to value each other in our world. How this hand that you're holding of this person may guide people through situations of danger and terror. How they will reassure people in illness and fear. How they will be there to quiet down and to heal. That these very hands can let powers of healing flow through. So in feeling gratitude for this hand, this being, this web of life that we're in, that we're so gifted to be a part of. We take leave now. Disconnect slowly with just maybe a last message to this hand, a silent message. And then you bow and you take your leave and move on. And again, you pause in front of another being and you, let's see, take both hands in yours. And now as you look at this brother-sister being, imagine you see their parents standing right in back of them, right over their shoulder. And imagine you see behind them, their parents and grandparents. You can see these four generations in your mind's eye. They really existed. This person wouldn't be here without them, nor without all their ancestors. So imagine you can see extending beyond them their whole procession of ancestors into through time, from the depths of time back over the hills of time and you can know that each one of those ancestors was essential to this person being there. And each one of them, of those ancestors, offers their gift to this dark time we're in through this person. This person is their ancestor's gift to this time we call the great turning. It's a great turning and a great unraveling. And we are serving life as we face and walk through it. So feel your gratitude for the one before you, the gift of their ancestors to this time. And bow to them 
And take your leave. And our last stop and maybe we put our hands together palm to palm at shoulder height So this is uh, this practice. I sometimes think of as um, this whole milling is a learning to see each other, and by doing it over so many years, it's uh, I'm very grateful for its teachings, and it is also a wonderful way to practice. Those of you in Buddhist practice, what we call the Brahma Viharas or the Four Immeasurables, and. Uh, so I borrow the last of these four measurables, uh, Upeka, uh, the great equanimity, and uh, we can practice that uh, in this way, in this, in the presence of this being, uh, whether we want to keep our eyes open or not, that's fine. Works either way. But as we Uh, enter this great, and sometimes it's called the greatest of the abodes. Hello? Would you like to do it? Yeah. Beings are so numberless and time itself is so vast that on our way to this moment through so many forms our meetings themselves may have been very many in different forms, in different journeys through the vastness of time. And as we behold this being before us, we can also, in learning to see, learning to see the immensity of our mutual belonging. We can imagine that we have indeed encountered each other other times, in other forms, on our way to this point. And opening to that, which is a kind of awareness that shoots through so many of the Dharma teachings, we can imagine that uh, this one before us has 
at another time, another place, been our enemy or our lover, our parent or our child. And in that exchange, we learned a lot before again we changed forms on different journeys in the multiple meetings of this vast, incredible fabric called life on Gaia. And we know that we will be drawing on each other's presence in ways we cannot imagine as we move forward into this time. And that the gains and victories or the losses and sorrows that we experience are never ours alone, but shared. And we can let those victories and those losses also, and those things, weave us together in ever-deepening trust and mutual purpose. And that the wet net that we have been weaving, that white life weaves is not something we can fall out of. No stupidity or fear or failure will ever sever us from that web because that web is what we are. So rest into that knowing knowing that there is no encounter or hardship we will face that will ever cast us out or alone, that we belong, and it flows through us. And we take rest and peace in that knowing of the great equanimity, the Maha Upeka. Indeed, that is so. And let us bow again. So that is the uh, last of the encounters, but I want, we're going to now move on outside solo. No, not solo, with one other person, not speaking though. So let's just move here a little bit as we breathe in where we've been through, so you don't have to keep listening to me talking for a few minutes. Okay. 
So uh, Wes and I have a wonderful practice for you, uh, one of our favorites, and uh, it's done in pa- done in silence and in pairs. So uh, we'll give you the directions as soon as you hook up as pairs. So look around, see, uh, either grab somebody or look around, see who you like. Um, trust who won't lead you off the face of a cliff because this is uh, okay you got everybody paired up uh, put your put your hands together or something so you know and put your hands up for to find another partner everybody got a partner now Okay, so I will. Are you going to get a, he's going to be your partner? Good. Okay, but come up here so I can demonstrate. (laughs) Wonderful. But watch out for him. He's very tricky. Okay, well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you know. mm. Okay. Um, So we're going to go out and uh, for a period of 20 minutes, uh, this is we're going to be the mirror walk, and it is a uh, variety, sort of the old trust walk, where one of you has uh, your eyes closed. No, we won't put any blindfolds on you, but you'll keep your eyes closed out of your desire to experience it fully, and. Um, so then I'll just demonstrate here as if we were doing it so that if I am, I say I, be, I, I for the first 10 minutes, each one of you is guide for 10 minutes. So say I'm the guide now and I will uh, go outside with my victim here. No, it's not with you, with Wes. And, and I will guide him into this Beautiful outdoors, silently. Except if you see something, you say, watch out! No, you don't. (laughs) And and then if you are, I want to step up or step down or step over, you can quietly say that. Okay, step down there. Good, step up there. My, sock, my socks are still on. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay. It's all right, but you may want it. You want to take off your socks? Okay. So then, what, am, what what's happening now for you when it's your turn as the uh, uh, not seeing one is that all the other senses kick in very strong. What you hear, because I mean, the dominant vision, I mean, it's when that's closed off, then you hear more sharply. You feel the air on your face, smells, fragrances, textures. And so as we move around, you're aware of that, as along with a little trepidation, and you can mentally... Uh, 
<laughs> you can mentally note that. So it's, it's really like graduate-level mindfulness. And, and then I will want to... So I want my friend to uh, experience uh, this world, and so which he is doing through his senses. And I may find something, some twigs or stones or some grains of sand or some dirt or some leaves, oh, aromatic leaves, and I will give him to, to have it, to smell it. Oh. No, not you're not eating it. <laughs> yeah, good. Or I might take something that crispy that makes sound like crickling his ears. And so he just, this is so he feels, wow. What a world! That's what I'm hoping to have for him to experience. Meeting this world that we were talking about this earlier this morning, meeting it afresh without this veil of familiarity. And then, but what I really want is for him, for all of us, to experience our oneness with the living body of earth. So, every once in a while, so you each have 10 minutes in this role, I will aim his head, and then I'll say, and this is maybe the only time you talk, look in the mirror, open your eyes and look in the mirror. And you look so, you're, open your eyes to see yourself. Get it? Of course you do. So you can do that, I would hope, four or five times in your 10-minute period at least. Any questions? I'm everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. And this is your world too in here. So each time is 10 minutes? Now, for each of you, you have 10 minutes as a guide. And your partner has 10 minutes as a guide. I'm going outside? Yeah. Once you're outside, I'm going to ring the bell. I get a chance to ring the gong. (laughs) And then you have 10 minutes. And then after 10 minutes, you stop and you change roles. What? You'll hit the gong, so we'll know when 10 minutes is up. Yes. So after 10 minutes, a gong, you change, right. And then after 10 minutes, another gong, and you come back in here. And you're hitting the gong that's outside, right? Yeah. It was the one you heard before. No, I didn't hear it. Oh. Well, then look at your watch. But you know, you're not going to get that far away with one if you. Uh, <laughs> okay, question? What? Where, what tall grass? Which, where, what area? The, on this trail right here? I didn't hear any of that. 
the trail that starts right outside, if you go to the left, you want to stay out of that. Stay out of the grasses in, that you can see in back. Who starts first? Your choice. Can I hug you? Oh, please. I'm so glad you're staying.
Thank you, Hannah. So you're all invited to sit down with another pair who's been out doing the mirror walk and just share together what came up for you, how you experienced it, both in the milling beforehand in here and out in the mirror walk. So the idea is find another pair that's been working and sit down together, pull out the chairs in a foursome or cushions. Well, who's the, you take the person you were, and you find another pair. this to uh, say some things about experiencing pain for the world because this um, in response somebody was having trouble with the milling and you know that so I want to talk about uh, the interplay between gratitude and 
I'll say yes, I will. So this time is yours to talk, you and your, your mirror partner, mirror walk partner, and you've just done two things. You've, we've had the milling, and you've had uh, the walking, which we did in here, and then the mirror walk. And uh, just ref you can share your experiences with that and any reflections that come out of it together. This is your time for that. And then we'll come back together in a quarter of an hour or so. Yeah. You each get a yes. Give yourselves talk you're talking to each other and you're telling your experience. Yeah.
Oh. Dear friends, a message from our sponsor. I'm sorry to bother you, but we have someone that needs to go in a white, silverish Nissan Sentra 8AXC169 is parked behind her, and she cannot get out. You found someone? Yeah. Oh. Is this your Nissan? Okay. That's good. We've surfaced that. Now, why don't you just take a few minutes to wrap up your conversation, but stay in this group for a minute so we can have a little broader conversation before we proceed with uh, the next sitting with Wes. So can we uh, turn our attention to the whole group without asking you to move yet? So there were some uh, lovely uh, psychic and spiritual stretching in those two practices we did. And I'm interested to hear if you if there's something that you have uh, came up for you or you talk about in your group that you would like to um, share the uh, experience or reflections with the whole uh, with the whole group. Mm-hmm. You're going to keep it under the to your right. To yourselves, keep it. Joanna. Where? Oh, good. So, Jesse, who was guiding me, showed me several things, and I realized what came into focus is kind of a theme for me, which is the theme of life and death, which was interesting because I had just looked at something that noted the Parinibbana Sutra, which was the Buddha's Sutra on focusing on death is the best way to enlightenment and um, I saw one tree that had had its trunk burned 
And, but out of that trunk, there were four little saplings growing that were alive with leaves at the top. And another tree that had a kind of... Right hole. here this afternoon. Yes. Mm-hmm. And another tree that had a hole uh, in it somehow. And it was deep, but it had healed around it. And I looked at that, and Jesse pointed out that there was suffering there, or pain, and that was true. But what I saw was a little altar for, the, uh, for a Buddha to be sitting in. Mm. And I think I'm going to buy a little Buddha and put it in that tree. Um, but Mm-mm. anyway, that, that hole, that, that space that was made in the tree was somehow sacred. But as is everything. But it's very, this, this whole thematic um, experience of life and death. They belong together. Yeah. Yeah. You allowed it in. Yeah. You did not resist. No, I'm facing that in my life. That's it. Yeah. As are we all. Yeah. And that is a very important part of our work, I believe, right now. That there is pain anger, outrage, refusal, horror, as well as love, identification, mutuality, inspiration, and uh, how can we hold it all in order to serve our world, out of order to be in our world enough to enjoy and serve it, to accept it. Can I quote a great prophet here? Yes. He who is not busy being born is busy dying, and vice versa. I didn't hear that. He who is not, he or she who is not busy being born is oh. busy dying, and oh. vice versa. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, what are we asked to be opening to? In, in this time, both, both dying and being born every yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last exercise when we were walking around and we joined palms with the, another person, and you talked about the you know friend in the past, enemy, child. I think I will hold that person's image and, and, and face with me a lot for a long time because it was so it was so connecting and just things you said just helped me to see beyond who she looked like or what anything about her. There was something really special about that. Thank you. As I was taking my friend Ben around, whose name I just learned, um, and, you know, today we've been connecting deeply but haven't known each other's names, and it was brought up. Just a little louder and and talk right into the, 
Today we have been connecting deeply, but not knowing each other's names at first. And um, it struck me today when I was walking around and showing Ben these, I was mostly focusing on trees and plants. And I was thinking about my friend who, who died. Today is the anniversary of his death, Frank Cook, who we know some of them. And he showed me all these plants, and he would always say, um, don't tell, don't, you don't need to learn the name of something. Once you learn the name, you know, you kind of lose the essence. Mm-hmm. And so he was really a part of this experience today, and just the feeling the pure essence of the other beings, and not even having to name or pose a part of that. Thank you. Beautiful question. Oh, there was so much in this practice. It was so rich. Right here. Oh, I'm sorry. Who's talking? Wait, wait, oh, right I'm right here. Oh, there right you go. Oh, I was looking for you over there. Uh, now I can read your lips. <laughs> Maybe I was over there. I don't know. <laughs> There was so much to this practice, and um, I've done the, the trust walk before in the past, and when I was younger, and, you know, there was a joyful, exciting part, you know, experience on it. This time was a very uh, different experience, and I realized because of the things I've gone through over the last four or five years, um, which had to do with betrayal of trust, um, with not having loving and caring, um, I've become very strong and independent in my life now, and self-nurturing and, you know, singular. So to go out there and be with a partner, um, it, was, it was emotional to realize, oh my gosh, I'm trusting somebody. I'm trusting. I haven't done that for a long time because I haven't felt like I've needed to, right? But I was allowed to be vulnerable to do that. And in that doing that, that opened up the availability to realize that I was being cared for so I, I trusted, and then I could feel caring. And it was very powerful for me. It was very beautiful. So um, I, just, I just appreciate the opportunity to revisit the same exercise. It's like reading an affirmation one day, one year, and another day, another year. There's always a new message. There's always a new something. And, and so I really appreciated it. And then the one other thing I wanted to share, too, I, I love the dyads that we did walking around, but also in the beginning when we were doing the various walkings, slow, fast. Beginning with what? Walking yeah. um, in the circle here in the room, slow and fast and, and, and whatever. I noticed my patterns, you know, staying on the outskirts, being more comfortable over there, not over there. Oh, Deb, go get in the crowd. You know, all these little dynamics that are just part of life. And, um, you know, sometimes judgment comes along with that. And today I was just noticing, oh, there are a lot of other people out here who like to be on the outskirts. I'm never alone. Doesn't matter. I can be in the mix and go get some more, you know, some intensity. Or I can scoot out to the outside, but I'm never alone. I'm in community. We are all in community. And to be in a community that's focused on mindfulness, mindfulness and, and love and wanting to, uh, you know, influence the world with love and compassion versus anger and hate is a beautiful thing. So just thank you for the opportunity and to share.
Hi. Can you hear me okay, Jenna? Um, I, too, have done this exercise a lot because I work with visually impaired people. Um, it's one of the populations that I get the privilege of working with and um, train people to do that. But I'd never done this with open your eyes and look in the mirror. And that was stunning. And I found myself really feeling my partner and, you know, wanting her to, like, just get these beautiful messages from nature. And it was so interesting. I really felt in that silence and um, careful guiding that I got a sense of who she was. And I think vice versa. It was a really beautiful thing. And um, she was the person that had to move her car. So I don't want to say... Oh, there you are. I was going to say what you said about... about you, I'm going to let you say it. About when you talked about like, kind of like falling in love. Oh, yeah. I don't, want, I don't want you to get creeped out by this, but it was like falling in love with you. So. But you could, because you said it was like trust. Say it into the mic. Yeah. Oh. We don't want to miss this. No. Okay. Like Enjoy that, whoever heard that. No, it, it just, just being so vulnerable to somebody... And so trusting to somebody, one has the sensation of falling in love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should I go now? Is it my turn? Oh, is it my, oh it's, it's me. Oh. Hi, hi. Thank you so much. Um, Three simple truths, but yet very profound, that came up for us in in our discussion group. Surrender, trust, and we can't do it alone. And there's almost like, with the great turning, comes a great unlearning, where we let go of all of the conditionings of competition and just delusion that we're alone and that we learn to trust one another and we learn all of our other senses and that we have to hold all of it somatically. We just can't talk about it. We have to live it and we really just can't do it alone. So thank you for your gift. Thank you. And thank you. I think that's good unless there's somebody dying to... Uh, I want to just okay I, I protested that I wasn't dying to, but um, I'll go ahead since I have the mic um, in my daily life uh, most of the time my heart is very defended and in the milling exercise I was surprised how easily I opened up to the people in front of me Um, starting with the first one. And maybe it was partly because the first partner, um, she was very open. She started tearing up fairly soon hearing your words. But then I did in response right away. And I just, you know, even people who, because of my own prejudices, um, something about their appearance would cause aversion or judgment or something like that. I was just wide open to... um, caring about them, believing everything you said about, you know, yes, they go through that too. And I, you know, I found myself 
all that came so easily here then um, that number one I told myself okay your heart's not as frozen as you think it is um, but also you know wishing that that I, I, I could find that openness more and more easily in my daily life Okay, thank you. Um, and thank you very much for the uh, last two uh, remarks and, and yours, Michael, about uh, the... You know, we're learning with um, science and the Heart Mind, Inst- the Heart Mind Institute and uh, also Buddhist teachings locates the mind here in the heart, not up here in the neocortex or the um, various aspects of the brain. But, uh, and we have, um, and the reason that, um, or the, the work that, that the, the watershed work of my life has been helping us recover from psychic numbing because we have done so much. We, we as humanity, uh, and the governments that we identify with that, that do things in our name with preparations and undertakings that are progressively destroying the basis of life on this planet. And we have to see that, that in order to oppose, resist, and replace that. Mm-hmm. And what, in the, in the middle of my life, in my 40s, working on nuclear energy and weapons making, to seeing the contamination they brought let alone the dying, crippling dangers they unleashed, that the biggest danger of all was a deadening of the heart and mind, the people not wanting to look at that. That, uh, And maybe that has something to do with thinking we're a separate self, that it's just too much for me. No, I can't go there. No, it'll be it'll upset me too much, and I don't have the way of stopping it. I can't stop nuclear war, so I can't even think about it. Don't ask me. And so, so much of the this was back in the seventies. So much of the organizing, so much of the effort was to even get people to think about it. And I don't think it's changed all that much. Maybe it has a little bit, but there is something that we all kind of tend to, and our government has, has con- colluded with this in pathologizing our pain for the world. We have moral pain for our world. It comes up in grief. It comes up in outrage. It comes up in sense of overwhelm. It comes up in fear and dread. And, fear. and, and I found that all we need to do is accept it. It's healthy, but the dominant culture 
has pathologized it. And by that, it's done a great favor to the pharmaceutical industries. It's helped us to think that if we are sad, fearful, overwhelmed, then we fight it and it gets worse, then uh, we think that it's the normal thing is to feel hopeful and optimistic and confident and smile a lot. So we have to... I have come to believe that our pain for the world is just as equally a spiritual gift as our gratitude for the world. It's kind of our, there's like two sides of one coin. Our love for the world and our pain for the world. And that it is normal, functional, wholesome, healthy, both of them. It is, it tastes, doesn't, it hurts. But so does so much. You fall in love with someone, then your heart is just ready to break every time there's a danger or every time you think that there's something's happening to them. You have a baby, whoa, ask for heartbreak over and over again. We, our hearts are made to break. And as I learned that first year of doing this work, that our hearts, the heart that breaks open can hold the whole universe. It's that big. We can trust that in this time. To suffer with our world. So, so I just wondered, you know, even in the, the littlest bit of in the milling, we were acknowledging that, bowing to our capacity to see, you know, to each other for being open to the pain of our world, open to the hunger, open to the rape, open to the human trafficking. We've got to know it. And we can know it without having to, you know, hit the bottle, though the stiff drink helps sometimes, I've found. But, but without having to, it's, this is being alive in this time. It's the bodhisattva heart. And the... Um, And it's okay to feel hopeless. It's okay to feel hopeful. Those are just feelings. But you can see each as an expression of your caring. And we can stand with that. We don't need to be afraid. We can love our world so much that we can walk in and be with our world, whether it's, you know, little boats, rubber boats leaking in the middle of, with 25 people on them in the middle of the Mediterranean, whether it's people on buses trying to get out of a bomb city, whether it's, you know, people down the block, whether it's, whether it's our own selves, witless, wondering where, we're going to be able to take care of our children and grandchildren and save them from what seems to be in store. 
What's great? I think that our hearts don't know that they just belong to a separate person. My heart acts as if it thinks it's the heart of everybody. And maybe yours does too. And the most amazing thing about our being ready to be with uh, the heart or the tears in the eyes is to um, know that, that, that it can, what it is, is just a, a doorway into greater love. And driving here this morning with my friend Michael, he just saw, you know, was telling me what he'd heard driving up from Santa Barbara by Pama Children, a whole CD called Pain is a Doorway. So we don't need to be afraid of that. Just see, just see that that's another face of love. Hurts. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. What's more beautiful than a tear? The tear you saw in a partner's eyes. So it seems that uh, this time is one that's asking for us to be kind of transparent. Nobody has the answer, but everybody... is needed and everybody too can be like a opening to the beauty you can look into any eyes and see the beauty of the whole world or the big sky I've talked Wes into giving us a big sky meditation now would that feel good? yes? okay by popular demand. (laughs) So let's gather for... um... Okay. All right. Let me. We'll do a breathing through. How's that? Yeah, I. get your name but this wonderful sister has just asked if we could hang in there for a little more um, a few more minutes um, with uh, as a separate body not as big sky but as a separate body that each of us is after all we're in separate bags of skin Um, what we what we do 
with them. So here's one 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 um, uh, practice that we found right away uh, as uh, I began on this path. Borrowed, it's uh, using the breath. So let's just each one of us, everybody in this room, each separate person is breathing. I think. So let's sit so that we can put our bodies very alert and relaxed so we can put our mind on the breathing. Now in spiritual traditions, there are a variety of ways that we uh, use the breath. Uh, One is as in more, more in Hindu traditions, uh, we uh, breathe in uh, the um, light and, and and bliss, and and then with the out breath, breathe out the garbage. So this is like cleansing, breathing in and then cleansing it. That's not what we're doing. Is it? And then there's also the reverse of that and. Mahayana Buddhism of Tonglen, where we uh, breathe in the pain and distress of a, another our world and then transform it in our heart and with our intention, breathe out light and healing. Uh, and what we're going to do, that's not it either. Because there's so many times that when we're encountering uh, overwhelm, what we don't want to hear, no, don't tell me about it, which is increasingly frequent these days under this government um, and these world conditions, um, that what there's, there's borrowing from these to what we call uh, breathing through. So we'll do that together. So you become very aware of the breath and you can think of it as a ribbon of air, a stream of air that you're breathing in. You can almost visualize it coming in through your nostrils, down through your throat, into your lungs. And uh, you can also, as we will do in this practice, imagine it going through our heart into our lungs and then by an act of of moral imagination you take it through your heart and then out, let it flow out into the world again. Can you do that? So with that in mind, having practiced that, when you're confronted with what you you can't bear to hear, uh, it really hurts to hear it, to know it, to see it, 
you don't want it to be so. You don't even want it to be real. But it's happening in our world. It could be happening right in your family or down the block or on the other side of the planet. And so what this breathing through practice is, is that you, uh, with that image, you sort of bring forth now an image of something happening in our world um, and that you that hurts to know about happening in our world, which could mean in your family too or in your neighborhood or in downtown Oakland or at the police station or at San Quentin or at the jail or in the hospitals, whatever. And you take that uh, uh, discomfort like some granules of sand, uh, of sand and on the stream of air that comes through you, that you're breathing through, you bring it up through your nostrils, down through your windpipe, through your lungs, and through your heart. And you don't keep it there. You let it flow right on out into the healing resources of the web of life. All you are asked to do is to let it flow through you. All you're asked to do is not block it. To lower your defenses, that is all. Later on, you'll be doing much more about it. But right now, in this period of moral pain and resistance, just let it flow through. So try that for a few moments. So maybe uh, there are no images that come to you. It's just a blank. And so if that's the case, then just that blankness, even that numbness, breathe it through. That's a very real part of our world today. Or maybe what comes up for you is not images of the world suffering, other people suffering, but your own your own desperation, your own fears of the illness you're battling, the, the striving with, the, the relationships that are uh, struggling with, whatever. You breathe that through too because your personal pain is a very real part interwoven with the distress of our world. And if you might think for a moment, oh, my heart will break, well, then you say, well, a heart is not an object that can break. 
but that even if it were, if it breaks open, it can hold the world, whole world, they say. Let me just say this um, before we uh, continue with Wes. Um, This is not, I use this all the time, but I don't do it as a meditation I sit down to do. I do it in the course of my life. Walking in and out of some place or even in the, uh, watching the news or reading the news or something, or or walking by, a fight or homeless sleeping on the street or the what. Um, And what it does is it simply lowers the defenses. It's a posture of trust. I am here and earth will sustain me. The web of life will sustain me in being alive to my world. This is so, that in itself is so important. Because I've come to believe that we are a nation of shut down people. Because so many people think that the moral pain of grief and rage and and fear are something that is pathological, an indication of distress or too much for them, or. And actually, is simply a form of suffering with. We suffer with our world. Which is the literal meaning of compassion. We are compassionate beings. And you know you're compassionate, which is the definition in the Mahayana tradition of a bodhisattva. The one with the boundless heart. And as that leads you to realize that we are woven together, we're emerging into a time when we must realize that better because we're going to find the collective intelligence, the co-intelligence for co-evolving through this time. Not one of us can think up the answer to our world's or even local neighborhood's problems alone. All of us need to think with other people, feel with other people, learn to trust other people. Just a moment, I'll be right with you. And as you as you make that, uh, as you open to that, 
suffering with, you're opening, as the Bodhisattva models too, a, a capacity for greater uh, love and greater engagement. And the, the culture, the dominant culture that we're living in is so afraid of moral distress that they have almost a permanent smile pasted on its face. You know, we put little smiley faces over everything. And doing so shuts people down. There's a sh- can, can shut you down. And I don't want to, but I see on the way forward that we're moving toward, we're walking on a road together, or a path of a mountain or what, toward the future. But there's a ditch on either side. And one ditch is shutting down, which is so easy to do if you don't want to feel moral discomfort. Then you close your eyes and ears in a way to what's happening to our world. But then on the other side is a ditch that is the flip side of paralysis or shutdown, which is panic and social hysteria. And that's surfacing too, is it not? So there's this flip of shutdown, won't feel anything, and going nuts with uh, rage and, and, and aiming it at other people. You had your hand up. Well, I don't come teach here very much and it's sort of this is what I feel so strongly about. I feel I need to speak out about it. You'll, you'll. I totally understand, and, and I love what you say. I do too. I've been tracking your work for many decades, and it's informed me quite a bit. And thank you for it. Um, I think that this is why I came because I do a lot of practice. I live in Woodacre. I'm very blessed to have support in Sangha. And I feel hysterical a lot of the time right now with the fires and the refugee stuff. I believe we'll get through it all except for the environmental stuff is the most uh, existential fear, I guess. Um, I've worked with a lot of trauma, epigenetic and my own internal trauma. And I'm... I'm feeling like if this is going on for me, I can only imagine people without any tools and without any support. And I'm wondering what you think about this balance between practice and holding this in a very non-dual way and watching the relative world go through its stuff, dealing in a responsive way as we can. And also, where is there value in the emoting? Because I find myself like wanting to scream and despair. And I've never experienced cynicism. I grew up in that window of post-Holocaust, post-World War II. Things, the trajectory was evolving in ways that looked like it could only get better. And for the last decade, you know, have been really preparing for a lot of what's going on. 
and still feel really unprepared. And I'm just wondering what you think about, you know, where the line is. Is it valuable to work with our emotions as they arise, as you were talking about? How much practice sitting with all this? And what you've learned over the years and that could help us. And I don't know if this speaks to anybody else, but this is sort of like the anguish. I guess we're getting some yeses. So thank you all. Just the, just the anguish and not living into the not knowing. I think those of us with a practice can hold a lot, and it's still like in the body. I, I'm sitting in Woodacre, beautiful, looking at the hills, you know, working on my computer, and I get an email the other day that Black Mountain is on fire, which is 15 miles down the road, and the chemicals and the reaction, and it's like. How much practice do we need to be able to live right now? And just if you could speak to some of this, I would so appreciate it. Thank you. I have a young friend who does uh, the work that we can action, and she's written a song, something called I'll Walk Through the Fire with My Loved One or something, that uh, I believe that um, as we open to the depths and dimensions of our own heart-mind. <clears throat> and in adv- Dan Siegel, who was just here uh, in the morning, and he was talking to um, Wes and me at, at lunch, that... Uh, you get to a certain level of your own mind and, and, and there's no separation from anything. That we are, it's all there. We, we are uh, at one with the whole scene. And um, so as we work with that, and it's so, uh, I commend, I know this takes courage and, 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 it, and a certain degree of orneriness, just, you know, but... Um, If we are willing, we are given the capacity to be with what's happening, to be present to our world. And a system's understanding of the self-organizing nature of life has convinced me that um, when we're not blocking the feedback, because systems, it's really when we're going, ah, I won't hear it, I'm, I'm too weak, I did, it re-traumatizes me, well, I can't do it, uh, that we are actually blocking feedback that we may need, that we need to know. This has been a problem mainly with, uh, with a lot of the American character and policies from that. Our government started uh, censoring key information is about the effect of um, climate way back when and, and, and the oil companies and so on. So we, as bodhisattvas, we learn to um, open to, to it all. And there are spiritual strengths that we can tap in other traditions and in Buddhism as well and also um, that we can grow. 
because our people are going to be going through a very tough time harder than this some people say you know study that we won't make it some people say well but i i believe the old prophecies is that there's some who will make it they're the people of the passage i want to serve them So you have a calling. It's not just separate it from your own vulnerability or your own inad, you know, inadequacies that you may just say, ah. And come to think of it, you know, I've I was talking with people recently who said that they also suspect that in other Buddha fields in the universe there are people lining up to be born here in earth because what a time is this oh boy on earth wait till you get there everything you ever learned about courage and interconnectedness you can use it i mean that is your graduate program or whatever <laughs> so it's, after all these billions of years of of Evolution, our, our, we, we come to this point. You've been fashioned. We're here. And it's really boring to complain about it. Okay. Okay. Open your eyes. Open your heart. Find people you respect and adore to work with. You really need a little group of some, you know, even if it's a group of you and one other person to um, uh, do this loving and toughening up work together to be with our world. And what then, what I found in my life is just essential is to, do, to get engaged in action. I reached a point uh, in midway in my life, that when this was of giving up, so, of of seeing no way that I was knew we could do ourselves in, and I, what really pulled me out of it was volunteering for an action that took a lot of focus. We were contending with a corporation with squads of lawyers. We were a small legal team. I was just supporting. We were defeated. But that didn't matter. It wasn't the result. It was the teamwork and the commitment brought me to life in a deep way. So I think we can't do... I think that some form of action... Go 350.org. Get out September 8th for the... You may think, oh, it's too late for to reverse... Con Get out there. It doesn't matter if it's too late. Who's you to say it's too late? What you do is that when you work together in a group, you fall in love with each other. Talk about falling in love. To link arms with other people, you see their smarts, you learn their... Uh, what's the word for little poignant oddities, eccentricities? Quirks. <laughs> Quirks, yeah. Uh, and you are in deep um, danger of admiring them so much you love them to pieces. Mm -hmm. 
and it's and it's an, an adventure. You experience yourself and see once you once you take a step with and particularly with group link arms, you can't do it alone. Nobody can at this point. We're evolving to a new level of collective intelligence. So don't stop simply because you can't figure out a solution. If you thought you had a solution, that shows you're deranged. (laughs) Just work together and and discover that you're reweaving something. This is a moment in in our evolution where we are actually uh, birthing a new form of intelligence that fits the uh, intricacy of the web of life. Yes. I'm ranting, aren't I? It's okay if we feel hopeless. Don't get so touchy about yourself. <laughs> Just, that's all in the game. Think of what it feels like our my friends out in San Quentin. Wow. We're free. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. So I guess the thing. Breathing, breathing through. Teaming up. Yeah, that's teaming up, teaming up, taking action. And don't be attached to the outcome. Yes. Because, and, oh, and don't wait until you feel adequately prepared. The great secret is nobody is. What? That's right. Thank you, Enid. Because what we're really working for... Oh, I'm getting an endorphin release. Chills. Oh. Yeah, because this insanity that's been gripping humanity and is showing up all over the world has been growing for centuries. So now we have so much blowing through us. Oh, my gosh. What we're done with seagulls is just finding out about the human capacity for choice. You know, it sort of reflects what we've been t- talking about. There's so much wonderful stuff. Just get in there, fall in love with somebody who is an activist, and or who with an activist whom you then fall in love with, and with yourself, and just have yourself an adventure. And stop feeling your own pulse. Which is interesting because I, it's just I'm c- contradicting myself. I'm inviting us to not be afraid of the pain and then to not take it seriously. <laughs> but not be focused on our own quality of mind. I'm just Shut me up and you lead us into <laughs> a meditation. Government, which is a mind control government. 
because they don't pay any taxes, we support them in all their very dark actions by paying taxes like being submissive to them. Now, why don't you ring the bell? We're gonna. We now have twenty minutes left. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for something that I thought I would share with you, but I can't find it. But well, we'll breathe. Through. We'll do some breathing through while you look. How about, how about a haiku? This world of ours, walking on the roof of hell, gazing at flowers. It's got to be here, doesn't it? There it is. We have to need, uh, we, we can, if we know what the government's up to then, and how to fix the government, then we'll be okay. Oh, good. Okay. Thank you. I, I have a plan, and it may sound crazy, but I think the best thing the USA could do at this moment in history is go to the United Nations and announce to the world that we would like to resign as a superpower. From now on, we want to be known as just an ordinary, happy-go-lucky nation. The whole world would applaud, and it would be great for us citizens. We wouldn't have to work so hard keeping a superpower economy going. We wouldn't have to spend a half a trillion dollars a year on the military defending ourselves. And there's no shame in losing our superpower status. Looking at history, we see superpowers like ours coming and going, empire after empire, over and over. It was only a few decades ago that the Brits were proud to say, the sun never sets on the British Empire. Now it's just those chilly little islands in the North Atlantic. The sun never even rises on the British <laughs> Empire. And all empires seem to follow the same trajectory. In his book, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, Edward Gibbons writes, quote, the cause of Rome's decline lies in her bloated and overextended military, her widespread economic and political corruption, her public apathy and hedonism, her addiction to and dependence on foreign resources. Sound familiar? That's because it happens the same way every time. But there's not necessarily any, everything to fear or anything to fear, friends. Remember that Rome wasn't built in a day and it didn't decline in a day either. And a lot of Roman citizens probably didn't even notice it was happening. A few centuries later, they started calling themselves Italians. They seem to be fine today. <laughs> Besides, this would be the world's first intentional decline and fall. So to help us make the transition from superpower to ordinary nation, the government could set up a public works project like the Roosevelt-era New Deal. <laughs> Only this time we try the New Age New Deal because we really don't need a stimulus package. We need a sedative package. <laughs> Let's call it uh, the Great Leap Backward. <laughs> it's a five-year plan. For instance, the government would start a Department of Meditation and Therapy, which would set up deprogramming centers around the country and teach hyperactive American workers how to be less productive members of a less productive society. <laughs> the government would pay people by the hour to work on themselves. The whole nation could use the mantra, enough, enough, we've got enough stuff. 
<laughs> the government could put unemployed construction workers back to work on disassembly lines where they would take apart the cars, separate the steel back into ores, and shovel it all back into the ground again. We could free ourselves from the curse of our lives, the private automobile. And to help us in our transition from superpower to ordinary nation, we could ask some less developed nations to start a reverse Peace Corps, ask them to send us volunteers, teach us how to live more simply. Oh, I like that. The government should also set up a Department of Wisdom. Not another intelligence agency, but an actual Department of Wisdom. Stand staffed by philosophers, poets, jesters, and mystics, people who see the world from a different angle. Finally, as we make our transition from superpower to ordinary nation, we will need some foreign revenue to keep our currency afloat. So let's do what we do better than anyone else on the planet. Entertain. That's right, the whole world loves American entertainment. So as we announce that we are resigning as a superpower, we simultaneously invite the rest of the world to come and witness this historic moment, the world's first intentional decline and fall. We announced that we're opening up the entire country as one vast theme park called Formerly Great America. <laughs> the downhill rides would be spectacular. Anyway, that's... Oh. Let, let, wait, 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 there's, there's one, uh, there's one more... Oh, good. Uh, so keep the faith, my friends. We'll have to make some big changes. History predicts it. Nature is demanding it. But we can make the United States totally great by leading the world into an era of sustainability, an age of less construction and less consumption, and less of just about everything you can think of. <laughs> what the world needs now is less. So stay relaxed, do what you can, and don't forget to love each other on the way. So, oh. Now, I am committed to ending on time, which is in 10 minutes. And so, leaping from that, I would like to... Uh, there is a wonderful uh, entertainer in the room who has a song that would fit with this. And it's... Uh, I, an update of Be Here Now, a uh, teaching of Ram Das. And I, I hope I can persuade him to uh, come up here and sing it for us. Then, if we can persuade him, then we will massage this into our neural system by um, having a quiet, a last five minutes listening to Antonio's flute, maple, from a maple tree. How do you like that? I think it's brilliant myself. Yeah, I do too. Okay. So, so are okay. you willing? Yeah, yeah, it's a short song. It's a waltz. Are you okay. ready? If you, if, if you hear it, you could join in if you <laughs> Look want. Look as if you're going to take off your pants. Are you well, just... all the... All the pop stars, you know, they always have wires coming in and everything. Okay. I call this the Ramdas Waltz. Be here now and then. 
be here now again. I'll tell you where and when, here and now. You'll never get away from here, no matter how it may appear. You won't find there, out there. It's always here, here, here. And what time is it? You know you can't miss Never the future or past. It's just now, now, now. And forever now will last. Forever now will last. So be here now. And then be here now again. I'll tell you where. And when, here and now. Well, you can do that if you want forever. Do it now. Do it now. We could almost le- learn that, couldn't we? Uh, be here now. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, just give us the shall we? Uh, just can you give us the chorus and we'll sing it. Okay. Turn it up a little louder. Get up and dance if you want to. Be here now and then. Be here now again. I'll tell you where and when. Here and now. You'll never get away from here. No matter how it may appear. You won't find there out there. It's always here, it's always here, 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 and what time is it? You know you can't miss it, it's never the future or past. It's just now, 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 and forever now will last. Forever now will last. Think about that, be here now, and then be here now. Again. Okay, to the climax, I'll tell you where and when, here and now. Thank you. That was, that was better than a and then a big sky meditation to get them high, I think. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just remember, you're always under the big sky. We're, out in, we're always out in space, and we're always moving. And uh, hooray for life. You're going to get the ditch instead?
It's up to yeah. you. What would you like? Which do you want, the didgeridoo or the flute? Well, I want us to, should we be calm now and, and end with high? Or high now and end with calm? Or high now and go to calm and come high?
Thank you. Thank you, Antonio. I have nothing more to say. Hmm? I have nothing more to say. I accept... Um, Uh, think of the words of the Buddha uh, telling people to uh, go forth, go forth for the well-being of the many, go forth and share your love for life. Now, that's, he didn't say that, but we can the sense of for the calling that is ours it's not by accident we're born into this time and we're born with great gifts from our ancestors from the earth from each other from our own choices when we've chosen to serve and be, yeah. Thanks to Spirit Rock. Thanks Thanks to Romy. What? Thanks to Romy. And Romy for, she's not, I don't see her. For man, oh, there she is. And to each of you, for the beauty of your attention and your sharing. Go forth and and, uh, walk into ever greater capacity to be with yourself and each other and our world at this time. Blessings on us all. Blessings on you as you find the places and peoples that will support you. The practices that will support you. Go forth and trust yourselves. Yeah. Praise be. Praise be. I'd, I'd like to also acknowledge our sound engineer. Thank you. Donna. Yeah, we should. Is there a Donna talk to give? Or is this is. Oh, no. I don't There's know. There's no Donna. No, no Donna. No. Yes. Thanks, we'll see Friday. Okay, that was great.